Demons Discuss, Take 89, The One with the Murals. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello, girls. Hello. Hello. What are we talking about today, Angela? We're talking about the Book of Life, Chapter 20. We're not going to do a bait and switch and tell you about something <laughs> like, like <the> murals <laughs> that are going to happen and then don't make it happen. So I know. No. <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. (laughs) That was a, yeah, we kind of gaslit our audience. (laughs) I was just trying to power through to our next Baldwin sighting. Yeah. I guess so. The heart wants what the heart wants. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon patrons. Uh, Bless them. They help us pay for the bills around here because as janky as we can get sometimes, last episode is an example. (laughs) This shit costs money, guys. (laughs) Our bills include licenses for music, images, web hosting for a website, and audio files. They're two separate things that we got to pay for. Cloud storage, prizes, postage, everything that costs us money to run this space. Our goal is to, uh, I guess our future goal is to probably outsource even more, hire a professional editor. What would that be like? Maybe I'd be able to get some sleep. I don't know. (laughs) It'd be novel. (laughs) Yeah. They don't run cheap, but it's a distant goal. We hope we're able to meet it. I mean, within the next couple of years, I guess. So, Gene, why should one become a patron? Besides, I need an editor. (laughs) Oh, one should become a patron because then they can spend a day every week with us. At any level, from $2 on up, you get our after show. We're, well, we're more nuts than usual, but, you know, it's it's only two bucks a month, so you're not even, like, wasting a coffee on us. (laughs) Uh, And as you go up the levels, uh, you get more swag, and you also get, at any level, to enter our Demon Roulette quarterly, where you get real prize packs with fun things like stickers and shirts. And, and this I like year, the emphasis on real. And this oh. year, it's the divination <laughs> package, which includes a magic eight ball. Oh my God. So, really? Really? Wow. Yeah. We're generous, dude. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are interested, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. So here we are. Discuss our emails. I, I have to say this. You all showed up. You knew the assignment and came prepared audience so much so that we had to go ahead and filter six of them for both our discussor segment and housekeeping segment because there were so many. Just to let you know, be transparent, this is how our filter went. New discussors, we picked those first and next was a twist. Last come, first serve. We're demons. Nothing makes sense. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) um, we do want to take the time to acknowledge that the other emails that came in that we won't be reading today, but they'll get in the queue for housekeeping in the future. So Snow Patty, Patricia from NYC, Zoe, Chloe, Barbara, Lisa, we'll put your emails in the queue for future housekeeping. Thank you all so much. And demon kisses to our tried and true Mm. veterans. Yes. There we go. Who's got something for us? I've got one from a first timer from Estonia named Darja. Darja. Welcome. 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 Hello, Lady Demon. 
Simmons. I saw your discusser email and I'm happy to write to you for the first time. I have a short vacation, so I have a bit of time. I went through chapter 20 once again, and I remember enjoying it because it was a complex and emotional boys-only chapter. I'll say that the DeClaremont family has no idea about privacy or appropriate time, so when it's urgent, it's urgent. Diana was left home reading wolf parenting articles, and it was perfect because she was no help in the situation with Jack. Yet she's the ultimate mother figure for him. But I think Jack never doubted her love. Mm. Love is a feeling you can carry through time and space, but the feeling of being safe, unfortunately, is attached to places and people. Plus, Jack always seeked Matthew's approval. I think, for example, Marcus could care less about Matthew's approval at certain times because Philippe and Isabeau filled the void. It is so clear how much Jack needs Matthew as a father who supports and pushes him through difficult times also because he understands the mechanism of the blood rage. Reminded me of Philippe being there for Matthew even when it was always clear that his every action was motivated by love. Here we can see it and comparing these situations, I see similarities. Through the course of the series, we see how Matthew is becoming the father for Marcus, Jack, and eventually the twins. Because let's be honest, he was lacking in that department at the beginning of the first book. <laughs> it feels so unfair that Marcus didn't have that bonding with Matthew till later. Spoiler alert, Matthew's a shitty father and times convert. <laughs> Philippe has his low moments and old school parenting techniques. Paren, I have a feeling that he may have fi- failed Baldwin because of the high maintenance hot mess. Mm. Makes me wonder about Baldwin and his parenting techniques. The scene with his cello and second chances is one of the most complex moments in loving someone when you have to set aside all your worries and be present supportive for your child, friend, beloved one. Oh, thank God Matthew learned a new trick, putting things into perspective and seeing things more clearly. I know. Amen to that. I know. (laughs) I'll wrap it up here. Sorry for all the grammar mistakes. I didn't see any, but... I didn't hear it either. And it's been a while since I wrote anything in English and you did a marvelous job. Yeah. Have a fine October and all my best wishes from Estonia. Darja. Oh, thank, thank you, you. Darja. Welcome to Discusserdom. And I agree with everything she had to say. Especially yeah. Yeah. Matthew being a shitty father. <laughs> he said he was a deadbeat, yo. I, that cannot be emphasized enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> here, here Galaglass, put him on a ship. <laughs> And we always say, no better, do better. And he's like, I know better, so I'm going to do better. Well, maybe next time. Maybe not. (laughs) I don't have time right now. Maybe next time. (laughs) I got shit to do. I have a long future. I'll make more kids. Uh, Maybe I'll do better. I don't know. Angela, what do you have? I have an email from Anna. Anna! She has declared herself our demon in training. Okay. I like it. We need one because, you know, so we left that spot open. She's now a journeyman. (laughs) (laughs) Anna says, hello, Lady Demons. This is my first discusser email. I've been listening to your podcast since A Discovery of Witches aired, and your show is now comfort food to my ears. If I have a bad day, one of the things I do to cheer myself up is re-listening to an episode. I really enjoy your jokes, your tangents, your tidbits, and the ditch drives. (laughs) (laughs) Gritsy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now to chapter 20, the imagery. I thought 18 was an emotional roller coaster with Jack's reappearance and the revelations about his blood rage, his lost children and Benjamin. 20 was even worse. The drawings on the wall made everything more real. It's one thing to hear Jack talk about his trauma and another thing entirely to see it like seeing a picture of some horrific story in the newspaper rather than just reading about it. I almost didn't make it through the, that chapter because I have a vivid imagination and I could see what Deb described clearly. It made my stomach turn and I felt so badly for Jack. It's like he couldn't catch a break. In hindsight, I don't think the blood rage frenzy was surprising. Diana said Jack had done so well. However, I don't think Jack was, quote, getting better. I think he mm-hmm. was just suppressing his emotions and that night it boiled, boiled over. Yeah. I wonder what set it off. I also wonder if Jack has drawn his life story before or if this was caused by 
by the reunion with Diana and Matthew. Right. I do love how the chapter ends, which is with a dramatic entrance of Baldwin. Da, da, da. <laughs> Even during my first read, I knew I was in for a treat because one, I love Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> and two, Diana and Matthew were getting too comfortable in New Haven. Those two have a bad habit of nesting instead of actually facing their problems head on. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> and Baldwin is the person to shake them up a bit. Perhaps not the best person to get given his lack of communication skills, but that's okay. That's a fine. It's all about the delivery. <laughs> yeah. HR can fix the rest. Yes. In fact, Anna says someone should really sign him up for a seminar or something. <laughs> Thank you for all the work you do. Oh, I should mention that I signed up on Patreon and recently got my stickers, my pouch, and my goodies. I loved it. Oh, yay. Yay. Good. Looking forward to the next episode and the after show. Love, Anna, your demon in training. Oh, thank you, Anna. And welcome to our training program. And, uh, <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> I just realized when she was saying about Jack's murals, it's kind of, you know, all that agony that Jack illustrated. It's kind of mm-hmm. like Matthew taking Philippe's blood, you know, the shards yeah. of glass. And yeah. Ooh. yeah. But it's also, th- I mean, in a way it's therapeutic. Yes. Because at least he's letting it out. He's, and I mean, as far as like, oh my God, it's a blood rage. It, it seems like he's finding a way to channel it yeah. w- without hurting anyone. I've never sensed him being a danger during during this chapter, but we'll get into that in a minute. Better out than in, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. gotta let it out somehow. And art is definitely his medium of choice. It's better than puking all over the place like before. This is know? true. All right. So I have one from Noelle. She says, greetings, Lady Demons, my first discusser email. Hooray. You don't need to read it. I'm just excited to send it. Well, we're excited to read it. And this is why we filtered it down. We wanted to give the newbies a chance. So chapter 20 of the Book of Life, such vivid verbal imagery. The details were so specific that I could visualize the drawings in my mind, the emotional heaviness of the room and the musical notes floating throughout. I think this chapter is Deb writing at her best. I agree. I agree. agree. yeah. Yeah. It was so emotionally charged and it really sets up the next few chapters. I think this chapter is the beginning of the turning point in the book from reacting to deciding on a new path and forging ahead. Yes. This kind of forces Matthew's hand. He has to do something. So at first read... When the summons arrived, I thought Jack had gone on a killing rampage. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when Miriam arrived looking frightened, I knew it wasn't it. After all, Miriam would have seen lots of killing. But what could be worse? Another video from the Bad Seed? Reading the section describing Jack's outpouring of blood rage fueled art brought to the forefront, just like humans, vampires, yes, I know it's fiction, feel deep emotional trauma and that mental hurts can be more difficult to handle and absorb than physical trauma. Physical ailments can be patched and bandaged, but how to handle the mental pain? Although he doesn't realize that Jack is using his art as therapy to come back from a blood rage, and we were just discussing that, in a positive way, Matthew says something to the effect late in the chapter about art and music. My biggest takeaway from this chapter was how once called, Matthew instinctively knew that Jack needed something, anything to pull him back in a positive manner. By changing the music, he nudged Jack towards sketching the most recent happy events and helped Jack realize just because he had been deep in a 
abyss of pain and hurt, there was still hope for forgiveness and happiness. Matthew also discovers this fact for himself as well. It's this point when Matthew realizes that not only can he forgive Jack and give him hope, he can forgive himself and look towards a new future. I know I'm jumping ahead, but we needed this emotionally charged chapter as a foil to the next one. Wow, two huge chapters back to back. And for the big decision about to be made, the changes of the trajectory of the storyline. That's all I have for now. It's been a bit tough typing all this on my phone. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> my best to you all, your vampire from Kentucky, Noelle. Thank you, Noelle. Noelle thank you so Yay. much. Persevering with typing on the phone. I know. Wow. And I love thinking of a vampire in Kentucky. I know. I know. <laughs> I think it's fabulous. <laughs> Yeah, get I, hot there. there's a lot of good bourbon in Kentucky. There mm-hmm. is. There is. Yeah. Um, I don't get ahead either, but just the fact that Philippe is mentioned in this chapter and then Baldwin shows up in the next chapter, it's almost like, yes, Baldwin, Philippe knew. Yeah. yeah. And Baldwin is pretty much Philippe's stand in. So it's like a good juxtaposition of Philippe mm-hmm. and then Baldwin, what he's dealing with currently and Philippe, what he was trying to plan for prior. Yes. Yeah. You know? And then this, here's another thing that Baldwin was kept in the dark about, which had to yes. be a psychic blow for him. Why do you think Philippe did not give him a heads up? What would have it hurt to tell him? Because he let Varen know. He let Galglass know. Was Baldwin just supposed to remain in the dark? About everything. About everything. What would Baldwin do with this information? Especially if Philippe gave it to him personally. Unless he thought for some reason he was protecting him. Mm. I think I've always thought it was he kept him in the dark. So his his reactions would be genuine. Yeah. For the congregation. Right. Um, plausible deniability. Right. Plausible. That's what I mean by protection. Yeah. 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 Okay. What, yeah. What you don't know could hurt you or what you don't know won't hurt you. But if you know it, it may. Right. And they wouldn't go after Varen for that information because no, why would just, she know she's kind of obscure? Yeah. Gal Glass was the facilitator of all the things from the past to the present. So I guess mm-hmm. he would need to know. Yeah. I don't know. As good as tactician as Baldwin is, I think it would shade his future steps from if he, if, if he had found out, let's say, I don't know, in 1650 or whenever right. Philippe's decided to tell him, I think it would have subconsciously changed his decisions. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I can accept that. All right. <laughs> I move on. I'm sorry. Uh, that was a good question. Yeah. yeah. So let's start the wagon. Uh, this okay. chapter discussion is brought to us by Becca Vork. Thank you, Becca. Thank you, Becca. When we left off in chapter 19, we were witnessing the grief and sorrow on Matthew's face. He realized this whole Jack having blood rage. Benjamin, this whole family he's got to bring to heel is on him. And he's handling it in the usual way, internally punishing himself, you know, because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. We open up chapter 20 and we're in an omniscient point of view, which I'm grateful for. Me I've too. always loved these. Oh. Oh, same here. Uh, Matthew's on Court Street in the house he's currently residing in with Diana. And he receives a call from Galglass. He's summoned to go to Galglass's house immediately. He's to leave Diana at home. Well, what do we think? First impression with this whole chapter, I just loved how the descriptions were so rich. Yeah. yeah. Just even down to Galglass's furniture. I'm glad nothing got lost to editing because I felt like there was extra details that maybe weren't necessary, but I loved them. I just let them waft over me. It was so good. Like yes. I was immersed. 
in yeah. all the details. Yes. Even the bit about the chair that didn't look comfortable, but Matthew discovered was the most yeah, comfortable exactly. chair in the house. Kind of stuff like that. I just loved it. What it let me know was these two cannot sit down. They can't. They can't sit down and have a quiet moment. It's like, uh, yeah, Jack arrives. Okay, they've settled. He's moved into Gal Glass's house. Now they can move on with their lives. Nope. <laughs> it nope. doesn't work That's that way. Big fat nope. Nothing works that way for them. So, hey, you know, that's their lot in life. That's what we know. I don't mm-hmm. think even beyond these three books we saw in Times Convert, nothing is quiet for them. This is their life. This is how they're going to have to live it. That is life, though. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's life is really quiet. and No. Unfortunately. Problem free. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Matthew tried with all the poetry and the running away and shit. But yeah, right. <laughs> we right, see right. how that worked out, right? I mean, theirs is a little bit extreme at the present. I mean, yeah. Benjamin and everything, but <laughs> yeah, this is their life. What Diana pictured, as far as I want, just want to be ordinary and uh, right. this quiet little life yes. that didn't happen for. Her. All right, so let's begin. Matthew sat down in the broken down easy chair opposite the bed where Diana was sleeping, plowing through another inconclusive set of test results that he and Chris would reevaluate their research strategy at tomorrow's meeting. Given the late hour, he was taken by surprise when his phone screen lit up. Moving carefully so as not to wake his wife, Matthew padded silently out of the room and down the stairs to the kitchen where he can speak without being overheard. You need to come, Galglass said, his voice gruff and low. Now. Matthew's flesh prickled. His eyes rose to the ceiling as if he could see through the plaster and the floorboards into the bedroom. His first instinct was always to protect her, even though it was clear that the danger was elsewhere. Leave Auntie at home, Galgoss said flatly, as though he could witness Matthew's actions. Miriam's on her way. The phone went dead. So, yeah, for me, I was like, oh, shit, what could it possibly be? On yeah, right. And I was like, shit. Yeah. And they're sending Miriam over to Garter. Like, yeah. Kind of mm. yikes. So Matthew stared down at the display for a moment. It's bright colors bring a note of false cheer to the early morning hours before they faded to black. The front door creaked open. Matthew was at the top of the stairs by the time Miriam walked through it. He studied her closely. There was not a drop of blood on her. Thank God. Uh, I like that he's doing these little checks. Right. (laughs) All right. Did you kill anybody? Okay. Check. No. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So even so, Miriam's eyes were wide and her face bore a haunted expression. Very little frightened his longtime friend and colleague, but she was clearly terrified. Matthew swore. What's wrong? Diana descended from the third floor. Her Coppery hair seeming to capture all the available light in the house. Is it Jack? Matthew nodded. Galglass wouldn't have called otherwise. It'll only be a moment, Diana said, reversing her direction to get dressed. Miriam's like, no, Diana. Diana froze, her hand on the banister. She twisted her body around and met Miriam's eyes. And her first conclusion was like, is he dead? I'm like, oh, fuck. Wow. (laughs) She whispered numbly. Matthew was at her side in the space of a human heartbeat. No, Moncor, he's not dead. Matthew knew this was Diana's worst nightmare that someone she loved would be taken from her before the two of them could properly say a farewell. But whatever was taking place at the house in Worcester Square might somehow be worse. Stay with Miriam. Matthew pressed a kiss against her stiff lip. I'll be home soon. He's been doing so well, Diana said. Jack had been in New Haven for a week and his blood rage had diminished in both frequency and intensity. Matthew's strict boundaries and consistent expectations had already made a difference. We knew there would be setbacks, Matthew said, tucking a silky strand of hair behind Diana's ear. And Diana is like that person. And this is just my observation. She's just that person. It's like, but we fixed that already. So it's good, right? Right. (laughs) It's like, no, you, you have to know this is not how that works. 
works. Okay. So we knew there'd be setbacks. Matthew said, tucking a silky strand of hair behind Diana's ears. I know you won't sleep, but try to rest at least. He was worried she'd do nothing but pace and stare at the window until he returned with news. You can read these while you wait. Miriam drew a thick stack of articles out of her bag. She was making an effort to sound brisk and matter of fact, her bittersweet scent of galban galbanum and pomegranate stronger now. This is everything you asked for, and I added some other articles you might be interested in. All of Matthew's studies on wolves, as well as some classic pieces on wolf parenting and pack behavior. It's basically Dr. Spock for the modern vampire parent. Matthew turned to Diana in amazement. Once again, his wife had surprised him. Her cheeks reddened, and she took the articles from Miria. <laughs> She's like, I need to understand how this shit works, yeah, okay? Right. Jesus. <laughs> you won't tell me. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. So Diana says, go. Tell Jack I love him. Diana's voice broke. If you can. Matthew squeezed her hand without replying. He would make no promises on that score. Jack had to understand that his access to Diana depended on his behavior and Matthew's approval. Did you not think of Times Convert right away? Yes. Yes. Well, we didn't have the luxury of no Times Convert back then. Yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> it's good. Prepare yourself, Miriam murmured when he passed her. I don't care if Benjamin is your son. If you don't kill him after seeing this, I will. It's like we've been saying it for years now. Yeah. yeah. But she's Watch. shaken. She's never recovered from that no. first encounter with Benjamin. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Miriam's like, she doesn't play with this shit. No. Right. She's, she's not happy. In spite of the late hour, Galaglass's house was not the only one in the neighborhood that was still illuminated. New Haven was a college town, after all. Most of Worcester Square's night owls sought a strange companionship, working in full view with curtains and blinds open. What distinguished the vampire's house was that the drapes were tightly closed, and only cracks of golden light around the edges of the windows betrayed the fact that someone was still awake. Inside the house, pools of lamplight cast a warm glow over a few personal belongings. Otherwise, it was sparsely decorated with Danish modern furniture. I keep thinking of Ikea. I know that's not... <laughs> I think it's meant to look like the, the particle board, though. That's not true. Yeah, no, this, is, this is like that groovy 70s uh, yeah. bachelor stuff. <laughs> Made from blonde wood, accented with occasional antiques and splashes of bold color. One of Galaglass's most treasured possessions, a tattered 18th century red ensign that he and Davy Hancock had stripped from their beloved cargo ship from the Earl of Pembroke before it was refitted and renamed Endeavor, ah, which was our, balled up on the floor. Yeah, now two things. It's like, why was it balled up? How did it end up balled up on the floor? What was going on with Gallaglass when he decided, you know, <laughs> to do that? And two, the the little thing for our listeners, it's an Easter egg. Once it was changed to the Endeavor, it was Captain Cook's ship that sailed to Australia. Oh, shit. And ended up shipwrecked at least once. <laughs> Didn't we have an Endeavor as a space shuttle once? Yes, we did. And yeah. Then, and then it ended up being a troop. Was, was it a troop ship? Because we mm. see the Endeavor again, it ultimately ended up scuttled off of Rhode Island during the Revolutionary War. Huh. It's interesting that that was not the ship that Gallaglass was running back and forth to Europe on during Times Convert. 
there's probably a story there. We may get yeah. a couple of books down the road. Maybe eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a couple of books down the, the story, road. Just the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I believe Eugene, but I yeah. mean, it's no, just... I'm just saying if, if we ever get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to be a skeptic, but I've had that purple notebook link up for two years. So <laughs> I'm, I'm skeptical myself. But... Oh, okay. So um, Matthew sniffed. The house was filled with bitter, acrid scent that Diana had likened to a coal fire. The faint strains of Bach filled the air. St. Matthew's Passion, again with that song. Damn. Jeez. <laughs> the same music that Benjamin played in his laboratory to torture his captive witch. Matthew's stomach twisted into a heavy knot. He rounded the corner of the living room. What he saw brought him to an immediate stop. Stark murals and shades of black and gray covered every inch of the canvas-hued walls. Jack stood atop a makeshift scaffold constructed from pieces of furniture, wielding a soft artist pencil. The floor was littered with pencil stubs and paper peelings that Jack had torn away to reveal fresh charcoal. Uh, I'm just thinking he's just in a manic state. Just yeah. Yes trying to get it all out. Matthew's eyes swept the walls from floor to ceiling. Detailed landscape studies of animals and plants were almost microscopic in their precision, and sensitive portraits were linked together with breathtaking swaths of line and form that defied painterly logic. The overall effect was beautiful yet disturbing, as if Anthony Van Dyke had painted Picasso's Guernica. 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 Guernica? Okay. I trust you guys. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Christ, Matthew's right hand automatically made the sign of the cross. Wow. Jack ran out. Oh, yeah, this is serious. I mean, that's like the first time he's actually crossed himself. Yeah. Right. On top of it. Jack ran out of paper two hours ago, Galaglass said grimly, pointing to the easels in the front window. Each now bore a single sheet, but the drifts of paper surrounding their tripod supports suggested that these were merely a selection from a larger series of drawings. Matthew. Chris came from the kitchen. And um, mm. first read, what the fuck are you doing here? Dude? Yeah, oh, right. I'll get myself another cup of coffee. It's like, who invited nice, your yeah, ass? Nice and, and it's the middle of the night when he should be sleeping. Casual. I know. What the fuck are you doing up? <laughs> <laughs> again, again with the button in. Uh, but I'm going to blame Miriam this time. I'm sure Miriam. Yeah, I love you, girl, but why? I don't just I don't why? love, though, how Miriam's shaking and Chris isn't. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that they both should be, but it's just like, he's just so nonchalant. Yeah, I mean, and he's not concerned that she is shaken? I mean, if I saw a vampire, like me as a human, this is a normal person. Yeah. I saw a vampire, like, in a manic mood, drawing all over the walls, and <laughs> we don't know what kind of state he's in. Yes. He could turn and take a chomp out of you but any minute. Tap, tap, tap. Can I take your blood, please? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, and then, and then this this female, this vampire that you sort of have a vibe with is like unusually, uncharacteristically unusually upset about it. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. What? I mean... I guess he figures uh, she's been around for thousands of years. It's fine. He should have gone with me. Like Diane is the BFF. Like the right. Opposite of fine. Oh, my God. Angela, that is a great point. <laughs> yes. Why isn't he supporting his BFF? What the fuck? Not so BFF. Oh, apparently not. He's more about, like, <laughs> Mr. being involved in everything and know everything. 
Oh, I'm thinking of our dear JSW who loves Chris so much. And like for years, she's like, I don't care. I love Chris. And I'm, I just love her for that. And uh, I love I that love she puts up with steadfastness. She, and she puts up with us. Well, I exactly. I would say I love any listener who loves Chris for whatever reasons and puts up with us. Yeah. <laughs> because they have to put up with us with our Baldwin stuff. So Right. So, Jennifer, this one's for you. Thank you, my dear. Yes. <laughs> love you. <laughs> but yeah, she's... She's always the one I think about when I say, I know there's listeners out there that love Chris. Mm-hmm. She is the first face I see in mm-hmm. my head. when I'm, <laughs> She's who I'm talking to. So, yeah. Thinking of you, JSW. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, I was just telling you guys off air, too, that I sometimes I'm unreasonably cranky. I, I recognize that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to deny my feelings either. <laughs> exactly. We must indulge them. We must right. indulge them. Okay. <laughs> Matthew, Chris came from the kitchen sipping a cup of black coffee, the aroma of the roasted beans blending with Jack's bitter scent. This is no place for a warm blood, Chris. And that's what I say. What are you doing here? Jesus. Matthew said, keeping a wary eye on Jack. And here he is. I promised Miriam I'd stay. Miriam, I always picture you with good judgment. What the fuck? (laughs) Is she dignitized? Why? Why, Gene? Why? Because I can. Oh, don't start snorting or I will. Too. I don't want to pee in the closet. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's an appropriate term, wouldn't you say? Oh, God. I've never heard that before. Ooh, that sent me. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, Angela, you brought this up off mic. Chris settled into a worn plantation chair. Can we talk about that? Sure. Can we? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I think we mentioned if this was on purpose to put him in a plantation chair, it felt corny. It felt forced. It felt blah. Didn't like it. But if it was by accident, it's tone deaf. It's tone deaf. So either way, this is not a good situation or scenario. You're not winning with this this particular chair from the Declaremont collection. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. The, yeah. And the, I don't know. Then now I think, I don't know, maybe it didn't age well either that Gal Glass kept it. And it's, mm-hmm. and this, but well, this, is, this is just the first mention of Chris sitting it. Comes again but later. Here's the other thing. I mean, when you think about it, uh, think about plantation chairs. Those are for like lounging and, and being, you know, drinking your. This is not a relaxing kind of situation. Why would you be like lounging in a plantation True. chair? Right now, I'm not in, in my mind when I see that. Now I'm I'm replacing it with an Adirondack chair. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's kind of got that same angle to it. Yes, where you just sort of slide all the way back into it. The big difference, and I have to say it, I did kind of like what with the some of the plantation chairs that had the had the doubled up arm that like rotated out so you could put your you had like an extra long arm to put your feet up. Right. <laughs> I always yeah. thought that was cool. I mean, there's no dispute over the chair, and you know it's used, but putting but, a black man in it is like kind of cringe. Uh, yeah, on purpose. You could have yeah. avoided that. I mean, there's no reason that had. To, okay, yeah. Well, well okay. it doesn't even make sense with the rest of Galaglass's decor, to be honest. I know, right? It's weird. Why would he, it's a real head scratch. Yeah. Why would he have it? Okay. Yeah. 
in Connecticut of all places. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> he inherited it from Louisa. <laughs> right. And placed his coffee mug on the wide arms. When he moved, the woven seat underneath him creaked like a ship under sail. So, Jack's another one of your grandchildren? Okay, nosy, you know yeah, that. Time. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Not now, Chris. Where's Andrew? Matthew said, continuing to observe Jack at work. See, and that's another thing. He knows the relationship to Jack. He had to have known. He had to have asked the questions. Yeah. He's not someone to stay quiet. Yeah. So now he's just fucking needling Matthew yeah. for no reason. So, all right. Okay. Let's not make this a bash, Chris, because no. there's so much more. There's so okay. much more. Okay. So where's Andrew, Matthew said, continuing to observe Jack at work. He's upstairs getting more pencils. Chris had a sip of coffee, his dark eyes. Taking in the details of what Jack was sketching, a naked woman, her head thrown back in agony. I wish like hell he would go back to drawing daffodils. Matthew wiped his hand across his mouth. Yeah, because this is all for your entertainment, Chris. Right? (laughs) Chris, oof. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Matthew wiped his hand across his mouth, hoping to remove the sourness that rose from his stomach. Thank God that Diana hadn't come with him. Jack would never be able to look at her in the eyes again if she knew she'd seen this. Moments later, Hubbard returned to the living room. He put a box of fresh supplies on the stepladder where Jack balanced utterly absorbed in his work. Jack didn't react to Hubbard's presence any more than he had to Matthew's arrival. You should have called me sooner, Matthew. Kept his voice deliberately calm. In spite of his efforts, Jack turned glassy unseeing eyes towards him as his blood rage responded to the tension in the air. Jack's done this before, Hubbard said. He's drawn on his bedroom walls and the walls of the church undercroft, but he's never made so many images so quickly. And never him, he looked up. Benjamin's eyes, nose, and mouth dominated one wall, looking down on Jack with an expression that was equal parts avarice and malice. His features were unmistakable in their cruelty and somehow more ominous for not being contained within the outlines of a human face. Isn't that odd? Think about World of All Souls. That's mm-hmm. one. It, it's more like one of the drawings that Colleen did of uh, Matthew. Yeah, kind of crazy. The one with mm-hmm. the one with no, with the one with the eyes, just the yeah. eyes and the yeah. part yeah. of the mouth that looks like somebody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That one. <laughs> I remember that one. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Matter of yeah, fact, that one. Um, Jack had moved a few feet along. God, we saw that picture like years before that book came out. I, I remember know. that. Okay. Yeah. Jack had moved a few feet along from Benjamin's portrait and was now working on the last empty stretch of wall. The pictures around the room followed a rough sequence of events leading from Jack's time in London before Hubbard had made him a vampire all the way to the present day. The easels in the window were the starting point for Jack's troubling image cycle. Matthew examined them, each held what artists called a study, a single element of a larger scene that helped them to understand particular problems in composition or perspective. The first was a drawing of a man's hand, skin cracked and coarsened, through poverty and manual labor. The image of a cruel mouth with missing teeth occupied another easel. The third showed crisscrossing laces on a man's breeches, along with a finger hooked and ready to pull them free. The last one was of a knife pressing against a boy's prominent hip bone until the tip slid into the skin. Jack didn't have an easy life. It was no. good. No. 
Matthew put the solitary images together in his mind. Hand, mouth, breeches, knife, while the St. Matthew passions thundered in the background. He swore at the abusive scene that instantly sprang to mind. One of Jack's earliest memories, Hubbard said. Matthew was reminded of his first encounter with Jack when he would have taken the boy's ears if not for Diana's intervention. He had been yet another creature to offer Jack violence instead of compassion. If not for his art and music, Jack would have destroyed himself. We often thank God for Philippe's gift. And we're like, whoa, first read, Philippe's gift. Mm-hmm. What? What is that? Okay. Andrew gestured towards the cello propped up in the corner. Matthew had recognized the instrument's distinctive scroll the moment he clapped eyes on it. He and Signor Mont- Montagnana? Montagnana? I don't know. Montagna. Montagna. <laughs> That's good enough. Montaigne, the instrument's Venetian maker, dubbed the cello the Duchess of Marlborough for its generous yet still elegant curves. Matthew had learned to play on the Duchess back when lutes fell out of favor and were replaced by violins, violas, and cellos. Ah, here's another tidbit. Um, okay. Yo-Yo Ma also has one of the Duchess's sisters that he plays. Really? And I can't recall off the top of my... She's also named after a female. Ah. So I'll, we'll get that in the show notes. I can't remember if it's petun- uh, a female flower for that matter. I just can't remember off the top of my head. But the interesting thing is that this is a real... An actual cello. Yeah, an actual t- cello, an, an actual violin maker, mm-hmm. and they survive to this day. They're supposed to get better with age, mm-hmm. the strings. Mm-hmm. So Duchess had mysteriously disappeared while he was in New Orleans disciplining Marcus's brood of children. Whoops. <laughs> when Matthew returned, he had asked Philippe what had happened to the instrument. Now here brings up something again where Philippe sends Matthew to go fucking take care of Marcus's kids. Meanwhile, this blood rage vampire that Philippe's looking over. He's, he's like, trying here's, to salvage. Here's, here's a cello kid. Just calm down. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's, it's so contradictory. It's like, oh, here, Matthew, you go call all your grandkids. Yeah. And, Mar- and Marcus, too. But by the way, I'm going to just do this over here and keep it my little secret. Yeah, for Jack, because, you know. And why would he have a soft spot for Jack? And yeah. He didn't, he didn't I mean, love Father Hubbard either. No, it's all Nor very Benjamin. strange. <laughs> right. You know. Huh. It's weird. Why would he know to do that for Jack? Mm-hmm. And you would think getting rid of Jack would be better safe than sorry in Philippe's eyes. But I, well, I guess not, apparently. <laughs> Did he do it for Diana? Because I don't I don't see that happening because Diana would easily believe he was dead by now and mm-hmm. she'd be OK with it. Yeah. yeah. So why? I don't know. Oh, it is. Uh, aside, it is a petunia. Her name was Petunia, or is Petunia? Ah, Petunia the cello? Yes, violin. Petunia the cello from oh, okay. 1733. Yeah, but that that niggles at me. It's like, yeah, go kill these blood rage vampires, but over here I'm going to hook this kid up with art supplies and a cello. Yeah, it's strange. Mm, weird. And at least in the show, we're led to believe that Benjamin gets his hooks into Hubbard and starts devising his plan right away. So yeah. it's not like Benjamin hasn't been involved in all this and... I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because Matthew going to New Orleans was early 1800s. Yes. I don't know. Jeez. It doesn't make sense. No. Make this make sense. 
Anybody. <laughs> right, care. anybody. Talk through it. Okay. So again, Duchess had mysteriously disappeared while he was in New Orleans disciplining Marcus's brood of children. When Matthew had returned, he had asked Philippe what had happened to the instrument. His father had just shrugged and muttered something about Napoleon and the English. That made no sense. You know, Napoleon, the English, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Does Jack always listen to Bach when he draws? Matthew murmured. He prefers Beethoven. Jack started listening to Bach after, you know, Hubbard's mouth twisted. Perhaps his drawings can help us find Benjamin, Galgloss said. Matthew's eyes darted over the many faces and places that might provide vital clues. Chris already took pictures, Galgloss assured him. And a video, Chris added. Once he got to... Uh, him and Chris, too, avoiding saying Benjamin's name and simply waved to where Jack was still sketching and crooning something under his breath. Matthew held his hand up for silence. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Jack back together again. He shuddered and dropped what little remained of his pencil. Andrew handed him a replacement and Jack began another detailed study of a male hand. This one reaching out as a gesture of entreaty. Thanks be to God, he's nearing the end of his frenzy. Some of the tension in Hubbard's shoulders dissipated. See, and Hubbard's been putting up with this the whole time. Yes. Like, and he knew how to handle it. And he's just so yeah. calm. Just so calm about it because he's been here before. Um, Soon Jack will be in his right mind. Yeah. yeah, but he's not casual about it either. I mean, you've got Chris just snarking and being overly casual about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Andrew's just being very steady. Yeah, he's methodical about it. You know, mm-hmm. he, he knows what he needs to do. It's like, okay, uh, there's a stupid comparison, <laughs> but it's a comparison nonetheless. It's like yes. when I let the dogs out of their crate to let them run around the house. First thing I do is close the bedroom door because that's on the main floor. Second thing I do is I put the kid gate on the basement because I want none of it. I already know what to do. I make sure these things are taken care of ahead of time so they can run around freely on the first floor. So... <laughs> Hubbard is there. He knows what he has to do. He's got to keep his supplies on hand. He's prepared. He's got his first aid kit, so yeah. to speak. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, well, the, and the thing with Chris is, I'm not saying he shouldn't be intrigued scientifically because he is a scientist. Right. But there's a time and place for everything. I mean, Hubbard's in the midst of activating his first aid kit, and he's all, yeah. "Let me take videos. Let me take pictures. Let me take a swab. Let me take a, you know, a sample of blood." Yeah. It's like it all feels like me, 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 me. This is all data for me. You know, right. It's an opportunity. Even though I know he's working for the greater good. Yes, of course. His project. And he's very opportunistic and yeah, not empathetic towards his patient. He's focused on a goal. He's not focused on what is the situation at hand. It's not a holistic approach at all. It's just I need my data. Yeah. Long term goal. But, you know, in his defense, he there's not a lot he can do in this point. You know, Hubbard's got it. Matthew's here to help. Galagos is the muscle. So what's he going to do? Yeah, I guess he can true. take the data. So I don't like being fair to Chris, but that's me being fair to Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only because he wasn't written in a scene over at Diana's house. Yeah. That he's gonna, yeah. He, he was have something to do he, here. Yeah. He abandoned his BFF. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Okay. Wanting to take advantage of the moment, Matthew moved silently to the cello. He gripped it by the neck and picked up the bow off the floor where Jack had carelessly dropped it. 
Matthew sat on the edge of a wooden chair, holding his ear near the instrument while he plucked and worked the bow over the strings. Still able to hear the cello's round tones over the Bach that blared from the speakers on a nearby bookcase. Shut that noise off, he told Galaglass, making a final adjustment to the tuning pegs before he began to play. For a few measures, the cello's music clashed with a choir and orchestra. Then... Bach's great choral work fell silent. Into the void, Matthew poured music that was an intermediary step in between the histrionic strains of the passion and something he hoped would help Jack regain his emotional bearing. Matthew had chosen that piece carefully, the Lacrimosa from Johann Christian Bach's Requiem. I love that one. Hey, all this is Valerie with a quick editor's note. I want to point out a content error, we believe. The Lacrimosa from Johann Christian Bach's Requiem is what the book says. In actuality, we believe the Requiem is by Mozart. And it is a pretty famous piece of music. You'll hear it in like mafia movies, fantasy movies at real intense moments. If you're familiar with pop culture at all, you've heard this music. I personally love it. But what we didn't want you to do is say, oh, God, this music is great. Let me go searching for Bach? No. You want to go searching for Mozart? I will have links in the show notes. I'll have a YouTube video showing an orchestra plus a choir performing this piece. It's wonderful. Anyway, just quick. I'm going to try to keep it quick. Val out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even so, Jack started at the change in musical accompaniment, his hands still stilling against the wall. As the music washed through him, his breathing became slower and more regular. When he resumed sketching, it was to draw the outlines of Westminster Abbey instead of another creature in pain. While he played, Matthew bent his head in supplication. Had a choir been present, as the composer intended, they would have been singing the Latin Mass for the dead. Since he was alone, Matthew made the cello's mournful tones imitate the absent human voices. Lacrimosa dies Ia, Matthew's cello saying, Tearful will be that day on which the ash arises, the guilty man who is to be judged. Spare him, therefore, God. Matthew prayed as he played the next line of music, putting his faith and anguish into every stroke of the bow. When he reached the end of the lacrimosa, Matthew took up the strains of Beethoven's cello number one in F major. Beethoven had written the piece for piano as well as cello, but Matthew hoped Jack was familiar enough with the music to fill in the missing notes. The strokes of Jack's charcoal pencil slowed further, becoming gentler with each passing measure. Matthew recognized the torch of the Statue of Liberty, the steeple of the center church in New Haven. Jack's temporary madness might be slowing to a close as he moved towards the present day, but Matthew knew he was not free of it yet. One image was missing. To help nudge Jack along, Matthew turned to one of his favorite pieces of music, Faure's inspiring, hopeful requiem. Long before he met Diana, one of his great joys had been to go to New College and listen to the choir perform that piece. (laughs) It was like the day before he met her. (laughs) (laughs) Not long before he met her. Oh, (laughs) no. Okay. <laughs> this was, there was a Sunday night concert where he overheard the mm-hmm. witches yeah. gossiping. Yeah, about this witch. 
It was not until the strains of the last section in Paradisium that the image Matthew had been waiting for took shape under Jack's hand. By that point, Jack was sketching in time to the stately music his body swaying to the cello's peaceful song. May the rank of angels receive you, and with Lazarus, once a poor man, you have eternal rest. Matthew knew these verses by heart, for they accompanied the corpse from church to grave, a place of peace that was too often denied to a creature like him. Oh, sad. Matthew had sung these same words over Philippe's body, wept through them when Hugh had died, punished himself when Eleanor and Celia had perished. Oh, my God. <laughs> Matthew, you have a history, dude. <laughs> yeah, but Godfrey didn't. Godfrey didn't rate. No. Yeah, and I, I'm still kind of confused over the circumstances of Godfrey's death too. Yeah. So, and repeated them for 15 centuries as he mourned Blanca and Lucas, his warm-blooded wife and child. Tonight, however, the familiar words led Jack and Matthew with him to a place of second chances. Okay, there you go. Matthew watched, riveted, as Jack brought Diana's familiar, lovely face to life against the wall's creamy surface. Her eyes were wide, full of joy. Her lips parted in astonishment and lifting into the beginning of a smile. Matthew had missed the precious moments when Diana had first recognized Jack. He witnessed them now. Seeing her portrait confirmed what Matthew already suspected, that it was Diana who had the power to bring Jack's life to full circle. Matthew might make Jack feel safe, but the way a father should, but it was Diana who made him feel loved. Matthew continued to move the bow against the strings, his fingers pressing and plucking to draw the music out. At last, Jack stopped, the pencil dropping from his nerveless hands and clattering to the floor. You're one hell of an artist, Jack, Chris said, leaning forward in a seat to better view Diana's images or image. (sighs) Go ahead, Gene. Go ahead. I'm going to let you have it. Take the mic, girl. (laughs) Can you let the father and son have a moment before you have to, like, butt in with your nonsense? Apparently not. (laughs) It, like it took you right out of the moment. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the needle scratch. Oh god! <laughs> but I mean, even if I even if I didn't have the feelings I had, how Chris was built as a character, even if Gallo Glass or Andrew or anybody else had said something like that, it breaks the spell that Matthew wove with the musical bond with Jack at that moment. Yeah, it just kind of like brought brought it all crashing down. It's like the first words that should have been exchanged should have been between Matthew and Jack, not somebody else intruding into that moment. Also, did he need to be here? Again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did he need to be here or could have Jack gone to his lab and said, here's my blood, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> why couldn't Miriam take it? Yeah. I, while he was taking care of his BFF. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have know. these answers. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Jack's shoulders slumped in exhaustion and he looked around for Chris. Though they were hazy with exhaustion, there was no sign of blood rage in his eyes. They were once again brown and green. Matthew. Jack jumped off of the top of the scaffold, soaring through the air and landing with the silence of a cat. Good morning, Jack. Matthew put the cello aside. The music. Was that you? <laughs> Is that you, bro? Yeah. Like, pretty good. <laughs> Jack asked with a confused frown. I thought you might benefit from something less Baroque, Matthew said, rising to his feet. The 17th century could be a bit florid for vampires. It's best taken in small doses. His glance flickered to the wall and Jack drew a shaking hand across his forehead and he had realized what he had done. I'm sorry, he said, stricken. I'll paint over it, Galglass. Today, I promise. No, Matthew Galaglass, Hubbard and Chris said in unison. But the walls, Jack protested, I've ruined them. 
No more so than Da Vinci or Michelangelo did, Gal Glass said mildly. Or Matthew, come to think of it with all his doodles in the Emperor's Palace. <laughs> I mean, true. Humor illuminated Jack's eyes for a moment before the light dimmed once more. A running deer is one thing, but nobody could possibly want to see these pictures. Not even me, Jack said, staring at a particularly gruesome drawing of a decaying corpse floating face up in the river. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> I mean. Art is art, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> art and music must come from the heart, Matthew said, gripping his great-grandson by the shoulder. Even the darkest places need to be brought into the light of day or else they'll grow until they swallow a man whole. Jack's expression was bleak. What if they already have? You wouldn't have tried to save that woman if you were dark through and through, Matthew pointed to a desolate figure looking up at an outstretched hand and the hand matched Jack's right down to the scar, the base of the thumb. But I didn't save her. She was too frightened to let me help her. Afraid of me, Jack tried to jerk away, his elbow cracking with a strain, but Matthew refused to let him go. It was her darkness that stopped her, her fear, not yours, Matthew insisted. I don't believe you, Jack said stubbornly, holding on to the notion that his blood rage made him guilty no matter what. Matthew got a small taste of what Isabeau and Philippe had endured with his own steadfast <laughs> refusals to accept absolution. I mean, here you go. That's the life of being a parent. No, now right. now you know. Like everything that, that it is to be a parent. Is like... Yes. When your own shit flies back in your own yeah. face. He wouldn't know that before because he was a deadbeat. So, yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. That's because you've got two wolves fighting inside you. We all do. Chris joined Matthew. Oh, that is. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll cover it, Gene. Don't worry. I haven't forgot you. All right. What do you mean, jackass? His expression wary. It's an old Cherokee legend, one that my grandmother, Nana Betts, learned from her grandmother. You don't look like a Cherokee, Jack said, eyes narrowing. You'd be surprised by what's in my blood. I'm mostly French, African, with a little bit of English, Scottish, Spanish, and Native American thrown into the mix. I'm a lot like you, really. Phenotype can be misleading, Chris said with a smile. Jack looked confused and Matthew made a mental note to buy him a basic biology text. <laughs> Where are we going with this? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, making it all about Chris. That's where we're going. That's all true. Right. And Jack's like, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and he said skeptically and Chris laughed. And the wolves, according to my grandmother's people, two wolves live inside of every creature, one evil, the other good. They spend all their time trying to destroy each other. It was, Matthew thought, a good description of blood rage. It's a good description of just being a being. Seriously, it's not even blood rage. Every person has to fight these two wolves. I'm convinced of it. Anyway, um, as, <laughs> as he was ever likely to hear from someone not afflicted with with a disease. My bad wolf is winning. Jack looks sad. He doesn't have to, Chris promised. Nana Betts said the wolf who wins is the wolf you feed. The evil wolf feeds on anger, guilt, sorrow, lies, and regret. The good wolf needs a diet of love and honesty spiced up with big spoonfuls of compassion and faith. So if you want the good wolf to win, you're going to have to starve the other one. What if I can't stop feeding the bad wolf? Jack looked worried. What if I fail? Matthew's like, you won't fail. We won't let you, Chris said nodding in agreement. There's five of us in this room. Your big bad wolf doesn't stand a chance. Five? Jack whispered, looking around at Matthew and Galaglass. Hubbard and Chris, you're all going to help me? Every last one of us? Chris, oh my God. Uh, fucking Superman saved the fucking day. Uh, Someone take me away from them. 
books and everything. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so Chris promised taking Jack's hand. When Chris jerked his head at him, Matthew obediently rested his own hand on top. All for one and all that jazz. Okay, and that's corny. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Chris turned to Cal Glass. What are you waiting for? Get over here and join us. Bah! The musketeers were all tossers. <laughs> Cal Glass said, scowling as he stalked towards them. In spite of his dismissive words, Matthew's nephew laid his huge paw atop theirs. Don't be telling Baldwin about this, young Jack, or I'll give your evil wolf a double helping of dinner. What about you, Andrew? Chris called across the room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just read it how you normally would read it. Maybe even yes. worse than that. That's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. I believe the saying is, on poor toast, toast poor own. <laughs> See, that's enough to make Matthew win. Un poor toast, poor own. Right? But, you know, my American <laughs> self goes, on poor toast, toast poor own. <laughs> <laughs> I know enough not to even try. <laughs> all for one and all that jazz. And I'm going to play the Pierre music because it's demon French lessons. So yes. there we go. <laughs> Matthew Wince. The words were right enough, but Hubbard's Cockney accent made them practically unintelligible. <laughs> so there you go. That's my version. Yes. <laughs> Philippe should have delivered a French tutor along with a cello. Okay, see, Matthew, uh, Matthew's now got the cringes. Now he's kind of being snooty, but I yeah, know, he's feeling better. But he's feeling better. He's feeling well. I think Chris brings out the worst in him. I mean, that's what brings him comfort. If I get to feel snooty in this moment and better than you, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Hubbard's gaunt hand was the last to join the pile. Matthew saw his thumb move top to bottom, then right to left, as if the priest bestowing his blessing on their strange pact. See, at least he did that. Matthew calmed down. They were an unlikely band, Matthew thought. Three creatures related by blood, a fourth bound by loyalty, and the fifth who had joined them for no apparent reason other than he was a good man. Questionable, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for no other reason. Yeah. Dot. (sighs) <sighs> he hoped that together <laughs> they, that'd be enough to help Jack heal. Okay. So dot, 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 another time, another place. Here we go. So in the aftermath of his furious activity, Jack had wanted to talk. He sat with Matthew and Hubbard in the living room, surrounded by his past, and shifted the burden of some of his harrowing experiences onto Matthew's shoulder. So, you know, hey, this yeah. is good. Let's air out this shit. On the subject of Benjamin, however, he was mute. Matthew wasn't surprised. How could words convey the horror Jack had endured at Benjamin's hands? Come on, Jackie, Galglass interrupted, holding up Libero's leash. Mop needs a walk. And then Andrew's like, I'd like a bit of fresh air, too. And he unfolded from the strange red chair that looked like a piece of modern sculpture, but that Matthew had discovered was surprisingly comfortable. All right. Mm -hmm. So as the front door closed, Chris sauntered into the living room with a fresh cup of coffee. Matthew didn't know how the man survived with so much caffeine in his veins. I talked to your son tonight, your other son, Marcus. Chris took up his usual seat in the plantation chair. Again, with a plantation chair. Okay. Nice guy. Smart, too. See, that had to have been on purpose if it's twice. Anyway, you must be proud of him. I am, Matthew said warily. Why did Marcus call? We called him, Chris said, sipping his coffee. Miriam thought he should see the video. Once he had, Marcus agreed we should take some more blood from Jack. We took two samples. Like, mm, no big deal. What? <laughs> yeah. 
And Matthew is in agreement with us. You what? Matthew was a gas. I love that word, a cast. Yes, that's a, a good word. Uh, Hubbard gave me permission. He is Jack's next of kin, Chris replied calmly. You think I'm worried about informed consent? Matthew was barely able to keep his temper in check, drawing blood from a vampire in the grip of blood rage. You could have been killed. And then I'd never yeah. hear the end of it from fucking Diana. You know? nice. Yeah, I was like, you wouldn't hear another word out of us. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> really? That's okay, though. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, JSW. It was a perfect opportunity to monitor the changes that took place in the vampire's body. Chemistry at the onset of blood rage, Chris said. We need that information if we want to have a shot at coming up with a medicine that might lessen the symptoms. Matthew frowned. Lessen the symptoms? We're looking for a cure. I mean, duh. Hello. Chris reached down and picked up a folder. He offered it to Matthew. The latest findings. Both Hubbard and Jack had been swabbed and given blood samples. They'd been rushed through processing and their genome report was due any day. Matthew took the folder with nerveless fingers, afraid of what he might find inside of it. I'm sorry, Matthew, Chris said with a heartfelt regret. Matthew's eyes raced over the results, flipping the pages. Marcus identified them. No one else could have. We weren't looking in the right place, Chris said. Matthew couldn't absorb what he was seeing. It changed everything. Jack has more of the triggers in his non-coding DNA than you do. Chris paused. I have to ask, Matthew, are you sure you can trust Jack around Diana? I mean, valid. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's valid. Yeah. Before Matthew could respond, the front door opened. There was none of the usual chatter that accompanied Jack's appearance or Galglass's cheerful whistling or Andrew's pious sermonizing. The only sound was Labaro's low whine. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Matthew's nostrils flared and he leapt to his feet, the test results scattering around him. Then he was gone, moving to the doorway in a flash. Saddle leather and smoke. Hello, <laughs> handsome. What the hell, Chris said behind him. We met somebody while we were out walking, Galaglass said, leading a reluctant <sighs> little barrel into the house. Dot, dot, dot. That is the end of the chapter. So many songs. Right. I know. I had a permagrin on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so what did we think of this, guys? Mm -hmm. Well, I would like to point out the one thing about the myth, Mm -hmm. the wolf wolf story. When you do some more digging, it's not really a Cherokee legend. It was something that was uh, a folksy story put together by Billy Graham for his television ministry back in the early 70s. And it was more an allegory about original sin, right. how everybody's got the bad wolf. And right. bad wolf is the allegory to original sin. And in Indian worship didn't recognize that concept at all. We've got something we'll put in the show notes in case anybody is interested in it. So right. if you want to learn more, but it's not what it's not what Chris said it says it is. It's not what all these memes that s- circulate every so often say it is. It's something that was made up by a television preacher to make a point. Um, and there is a version of that actually that is floating around and older, but like you said, Gene, there is no good and bad in that story. It's just, it's yeah. just the poles that you're dealing with, the spectrum that you're dealing with, yeah. what you're dealing with. Temptation. 
temptation and we all have that in us you know mm-hmm. it's like hey what we're not all we're not all black or all white we're all yeah, creatures no. of gray mm-hmm. yeah, which is true so it's not the good wolf and bad wolf yeah. like when I those cop shows mm-hmm. when the cops are like oh we're out here to catch the bad guy I'm like how do you know he's a bad guy maybe he had a reason to do this yes. you're kind of judgy about that <laughs> yeah. yes yes <laughs> you know so yeah nobody's inherently good or inherently bad yeah. supposedly mm-hmm. it's just even the worst things that we consider the worst things might have been the best thing for that person. So we don't know. Right. It's hard to say. Anyway, uh, anything, Angela? Do you have anything to add to this? No. No, just I enjoyed this chapter. Mm-hmm. The writing, the details. I loved how it closed because that reminds me of Deb's sweet spot writing. Yeah. The mini cliffies? Yes. 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 Okay, so are we ready to gavel? Yes. I think so. Yeah. Going once, going twice, guys. So. So. All right, on to housekeeping. Housekeeping this time is brought to us by Norma Young. Thank you, Norma. Thank you, Norma. Norma. So, uh, who wants to go first with their housekeeping? I'll go. All right. Okay. I have something from Annie. Hi, Annie. Hi, Annie. She says, hello, demons. I hope you're all doing well and staying safe and sane. So much to discuss in chapter 20. I can vividly remember reading chapter 20, probably because it was like three months ago that I finished the book read first. Reading what Jack had painted and how trance-like he was pulled at my heartstrings because they depicted the struggles and grief that Jack suffered while under Benjamin's influence and all that he had endured through his life. Honestly, my favorite part of this chapter was when Jack comes out of his trance-like state and Chris mentions the two wolves. I appreciate when Chris mentions how we all have two wolves fighting within us and that the wolf who wins is the wolf you feed. Matthew points out that it's one of the most accurate descriptions of what it's like to have blood rage, but I think we can all relate to this to a certain extent. Uh P.S. I've been wondering how you can spellbind a vampire, question mark. I was under the impression that spellbinding was reserved for witches because they are the ones with powers. Uh It is mentioned by various characters and at different times through the Book of Life, and I have not yet found out how. Annie. Annie, um, I want to interject there. Uh, the spell binding is Diana using her spell to bind some characteristic of the other creature for witches it might be binding them from making spells for vampires it might be binding them from doing harm to others there are binding spells in I mean in actuality there are binding spells you can bind anybody spell binding is a witchy procedure yes. when they say oh well we're going to spell bind her yes it's more of a procedure whereas She's talking in this instance, it's a binding spell. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of semantics, but yeah, yeah, I can see what she was saying for sure. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's the emphasis is more on the powers of the giver than the receiver. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see where she's coming from, where she thinks you are bound from making spells. Yes. Right. It was it was murky because the only example we first knew was um, Diana. 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 Yes. Right. Yeah. But you can bind anybody. Let me see pop culture. Well, she she does a, a temporary spellbinding in an upcoming chapter when she's spellbind. <laughs> she uses her spell work to bind Baldwin. Bind, yeah, it could be physically, yeah. physically too. Um, uh, the craft. I don't know how old you are. Uh, the main character bound Nancy because she was so fucking crazy. <laughs> I bind you from doing harm to yourself and others. That was it, it is an actual practice spellbinding. Mm-hmm. Where the where is the witch casts a spell to bind whatever it is, whatever characteristic it is, so, to prevent somebody uh, from doing something or prevent someone from using a certain talent or skill yeah. or bind them to another person. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I hope that uh, helps or uh, not. 
Well, or well, I don't know. Maybe Deb meant it one way, one way, and one time, and yeah. then and that could change. I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll do some snooping around in the archives and see if there's something somewhere because I yeah. I kind of remember talking in these circles before. Yeah. So, Jean, what do you have? Oh, I have one from another first time writer, okay. first time uh, contributor, Steph. Hi, Steph. Hello. Hello. Greetings, Lady Demons. Long time listener, first time responder. Finally finished watching season two. Had to wait for cable since we already pay for way too many services. <laughs> I get yeah, it. Yeah, I get it. Uh, and enjoyed it immensely. Also, have been listening to the soundtrack while working. Nice mix of song and instrumental. I still picture Chris Helmsworth's Gallaglass, though. I apologize for nothing. Girl, don't apologize because I'm seeing the same Chris Hemsworth as Gallaglass myself. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Yep. Chapter 20. To be honest, I find the point of view shifts jarring and it takes me a while to adjust. But once we got to Yellow Glass's house, it had my full attention. The picture scene reminds me of an old X-Files episode which had a similar scene, only this time it's a beloved character doing the drawing. The integration of music was awesome. Matthew plays a cello? Did we know this? Will we see this? I found myself humming along as Matthew brought Jack down. Fantasy elements aside, it was a beautiful picture of a family coming around a member who is struggling with mental illness. And at the end, uh-oh, trouble. Mm. Very intrigued and looking forward to whatever next project you're going to tackle. Steph L. Oh, thank you, Steph. Steph. Thank you. Oh, well, yeah. the project we're going to tackle. Oh, shit. Yeah, we did discuss that our last episode. Yes. <laughs> I was like, how does she know? Oh, right. <laughs> Okay. We mentioned it, remember? <laughs> I know, I know. They're all kind of bleeding into each other. All right. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Disgusterdom. Thank you. Yeah, so that was great. I mean, it's like, and you you may call it trouble and Angela just call, Angela and I call it like a very special episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special after school special. Yeah. Mm, okay. So I have one. Brigitte, is that? Brigitte? Yeah, Brigitte. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hartoft? Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is very long. She came prepared. Okay. So I'm going to truncate this okay. and I will put the full version in the show notes, guys. So it's raining here in Texas, like oh. really loud. I can hear it on the, on the second floor roof. Damn. <laughs> and you're on the first floor? Yeah. In the closet. Oh, shit. <laughs> It's okay, so Burgit. Burgit. Okay. She says, Dear Demons, here are some of my thoughts on chapter 20. It's a bit long. Okay. So I'm going to skip over to uh, this one, reference Chris, because we might need this. Okay. Yes. Different perspective. Chris's willingness to help provide Jack with a support network is very down to earth and practical. And most of us need more than one person in our network to function well. I agree. Yes. This side of Chris redeems his early craziness. Well, maybe. Okay. I I go on. Okay. (laughs) I I agree with her. He's he's making some steps. I still question maybe some of his motivations, but. Right. right. Even if he does use the situation for his genetics research, too. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, there's that. And (laughs) worries whether Jack can be trusted around Diana. And we get the information that blood rage is incurable. Not good news for Matthew and his family, but important to where the story goes to from here. Yeah. Looking forward to chapter 21 to Baldwin and start the journey towards the new Scion. Things are looking up here in Denmark. COVID restrictions lifted without a large new surge of COVID cases. Excellent. Touch wood. Good for you guys in Denmark. Yes. Uh, I can't say the same for us in America. Especially here in Texas. We're trying. Mm. Well, some of us are. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying in different ways, if you know what I mean. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> 
All right, guys. We're on to save it for the show. Yes. Thank you. Oh, and thank you, Brigitte, for writing in. I can't wait to yeah. read the rest of it. Like I said, we're going to put the whole thing in the show notes. And she was the only not new discusser that we got this time. So five of you, welcome. I have yes. to say welcome to Discusterdom again. Thank and you. welcome back, Brigitte. Yeah. Okay. So our Save It for the Show is brought to us by Lori Warren. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. This episode, save it for the show. The topic is take 90 requests. And I've been putting polls out. <laughs> on Patreon and our folks love them. I cannot get over this. So what I did was I put a poll up, character profile name. Okay, so I said, as you know, we do character profiles plus fun offshoots on the 10s. We have another on the 10 coming up, which is Take 90. That's the next episode. Uh What would you like to talk about? We haven't decided yet. So we thought we'd open it up to you all. Mind you, what you guys say won't necessarily dictate what we do because we're unpredictable that way. But we like to hear your thoughts. So I said, what do you think? And everybody, except for five people, everybody voted for a character profile. So we're going to be doing a character. I will give you that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a character. What other suggestions did they have? Uh, I put something else covering series related topics, state the topic in the comments. Okay. Okay. So maybe we'll on the 10 take 100. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do something like that. We'll do something on the grander scale. So I'm going to read through the comments and what people say and we can comment at that point. Oh, load more comments. There's more. Oh boy. <laughs> <Shit>. Oops. <laughs> okay. More. All right. Chloe says, Matthew. Okay. <laughs> How did I know that was coming, Chloe? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Noelle says, Phoebe, Sarah, Baldwin, or Domenico? Okay. So Sarah, we kind of did in the one mm-hmm. with the sidekicks, but we have not done a dedicated one. We did one with Baldwin. So I did reply to that and say, you know, Baldwin was already done. And uh, let me see what she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, Baldwin's covered, but the rest. Hmm. And then she's like, yeah, again. <laughs> Well, we've got we've got Times Convert Baldwin to take into account, and we have TV Baldwin. We do have TV Baldwin. Well, yeah, and we've also got. I mean, with Sarah, another Baldwin. (laughs) We've got TV Sarah, and yeah, to take into account. So, okay, so uh, Christy says Baldwin. Becca says Freya. Ooh. Chloe says, uh, or I'm sorry, not Chloe. Chloe says Phoebe, Domenico, or Louisa. Huh. I wish we had more on Louisa aside from the TV. Right. Yeah. Anna Josephine uh, P says Domenico or Fernando. Hmm. Barbara says she's suggesting we know of other few vampire families, but how did their hierarchies differ from the de Clermonts? So that's something we can that. study. We can yeah. look at it. Uh, I think we, you and I asked Dub that question at the signing in Seattle. We did. We did. And then we also didn't tell asked us about- very much. Right. And then we also asked about the servants, like mm-hmm. the servant class and are the, is there a caste system? And she said, no, servants were part of the family. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was more of like a clan sort of system than a true hierarchy. Right. So Dr. Shelley says vampire bad daddy. And I'm not opposed to it. No, I'm not opposed to it either. <laughs> And that's uh, for those of you who don't know our vernacular, it, that vampire bad daddy means jeer bear. So, yes. Patty says gallo glass, of course. <laughs> we already covered gallo glass in take 30, guys. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Shelly, Jack, all things Jack. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is interesting. And then Shelly says, will there be another season wish episode? I love hearing about what you know about season three and what we're still hoping to see. Uh, Shelly, we don't know. 
we know what you know, girl. <laughs> yeah, but did we do a did we do a wish list? I got it. Yes, we did. Okay, I thought we. Yeah, did. we oh, did. My... We did one with Shelly prior to the season. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, wish for season three. I yep. thought we did season two. But... Yeah, we did one prior to the season. I know uh, they all that's early. Wow. Well. Yeah, yeah, usually we're we like those towards the end. That's why I'm like, yeah, we did it. We I did know, it. I just, that, I'm just saying, gosh, I, I mean, that's why I'm so confused. That well, that one I feel like we could redo. Not that we should, but we could because I may have different wishes seeing season two. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll revisit that. Nancy, hi, Nancy. Nancy, Nancy says Miriam or Freya. Okay, yeah. I don't know that we we already did Miriam. We covered her in Take Fifty. Yep. Val says Isabeau. Yeah, she's a good one. Mm-hmm. Cynthia P, Fernando or Jack? Well, Fernando seems to be a popular one. Mm-hmm. Do we know enough about Fernando to cover him? Do you figure? I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very, mm, I don't know. He's kind of taciturn about himself. Yeah. Yeah. We can only take from the little story times in the beginning of the Book of Life. Well, I mean, we what can. We knew. Yeah, we can. Um, when we make our final decision, we'll. That's probably something we have to think about mm-hmm. is exactly what, what we've got to play with. So, but yeah. he's, I think, I think he's in the running. Yeah, he's so. definitely in the running. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Katina. Hi, Katina. She says Dominico. So there we go. <laughs> in that damn boat. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Zip with a beautiful hair. Hi, Linda. Hey, Linda. Um, she says, have you, have we, and, and parenthetical, you yes. discuss Gerber? No, we have not. No, no, another one for bad daddy. Yeah. All right. Zoe, our journeyman. Uh, Fernando, thanks for that. Mm-hmm. So another Catherine Brown. Hello. She hey, says, you're bear. <laughs> starting to notice the trend here. I know. Bad daddy's he, getting a little bit. Daddy's appealing to, appealing to us seasoned ladies. I know. <laughs> I think the Trevor interview helped with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I would love it. Oh, my God. Maybe we should invite him to help. <laughs> Did you see his post? He plays in that Teddy Roosevelt uh, biopic. He plays J.P. Morgan with a prosthetic nose. Oh, beautiful. Oh, God. I I got to watch it. I would love it if he can join and help us do a bad daddy. That would be great. Oh, my God. He might. He's very nice. Yes. Um, (laughs) We amuse him, apparently. Uh, (laughs) He was on with us for like an hour and a half, guys. I mean... It's uh, so patient with all of the I know <laughs> issues we had. So Lisa, Lisa with the two eyes. Hi, Lisa. She says, I'll be cheeky and give options for both Phoebe, because to me, she's sort of a little bit inconsistent as a character who is also still learning about who she is. On the other category, the issue of vampire class and wealth in Times Convert, we finally see a vampire, see vampires who are living these precarious lives uh, and more on the edge of society because they don't have the wealth or a backing of a powerful family. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, it made me think about what kind of vampire life is like. Okay, so... Yeah. So how about the ones that are poor? How do, how do they do that? I, I mean, are they all still in service like Francoise? I mean, if you have a witch friend who can predict the future, tell you how to invest your shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. I, I mean, prior to 2020, they're whispering in the ear, Pfizer, I'm telling you, Pfizer. <laughs> I was <just> saying, <laughs> not everybody gets into Baldwin's mutual fund. I know. <laughs> Okay, so Sarah McCatherine. Hi, Sarah. She says, Fernando, I'd love him to take care of my house and cook for me. (laughs) Sarah. (laughs) All right. Gloria Withel. Uh, Fernando, he's such a lovable and rich character. 
Okay. Look how far we've come with Fernando. I mean, when we didn't have the book of life, all we knew of Fernando was that he was asked to be the head of the KOL and he declined. Yeah. Yes. That's what we knew in the first book. Just one mention. Yeah. One sentence. Indigo. Hello, Indigo. Matthew, because I know he'll, he comes up a lot in the podcast because it's about the books, but I feel there's so much more to uncover about him because of his long lifetime and the many layers in which he and the many jobs which he's had to do. God, I think that's a take 100 deal. We could do take, we could do the, the timeline as we know it for take 100. I think so. Yeah. Holy shit. I can't believe we're talking about take 100 though. <laughs> Well, we're way past 100 episodes, though, with everything else we've done. Yeah, we're at 146 episodes with all the special editions and the TV shows. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, Samantha Reese. Hi, Samantha. Hey, Samantha. She says, I "I love. No, no. She says, I love the character profiles. Domenico or Fernando, please. Okay. Mm. Okay. Michelle P. Hello, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Miriam. Okay, we already covered Miriam, so we're not going to do that right away. Uh, if we ever revisit, it'll be further down the line, mm-hmm. I imagine. Okay, or uh, Widow Beaton. <laughs> I don't think we had a whole episode <laughs> of Widow Beaton. But... No. Um, <laughs> Goody also or Scottish Witches, as far as the subject. That could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Okay. Lisa Stafko. She says one word, Fernando. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. She would. She, she's a big Fernando fan. Okay. Next one. Discusser in chief, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Andrew Hubbard, 16th Ooh. and 21st century character development. Book and TV series interpretations, please. Hmm. Wow. Could be done. Could be done. Yeah, maybe yes. we save him for 110 after we get to get season three. Yeah, let's do season three first so we can put a pin in. We'll put a pin in that for our future on the tons. Jacqueline, Jacqueline Gitless. Hi. I also vote for Phoebe, mainly because I want a cross analysis book to show or to show and write in for it. Okay. Oh, okay. Got it. Twanda. Hi, Twanda. Hi, Twanda. Oh, she's got a whole paragraph here. Let's read it. Okay. Andrew Hubbard is a personality glimpsed only in the diverse responses of the other characters in the trilogy. Galgloss, Matthew, and Diana's attitude are rife with suspicion, dislikes, and foul assumptions towards Andrew. Ha ha, I agree. Anyway. <laughs> we Contrast. Contrast his loyalty and his love for family members have towards him. Goody Alsop and her coven consider him much as we treat our parents in our teen years, i.e. he doesn't need to be meddling knowing about our affairs, but they willingly allowed their Annie to be pulled into his immediate responsibility. He isn't the cuddly father type. I am sure part of Matthew's irritation with Andrew's restrictions made by Andrew within London. As always, Matthew felt he was above such boundaries. I know. I don't, who does he think he is? No. Oh my God. <laughs> You're speaking to my heart here. Uh, yet Andrew was faithfully parenting his flock throughout the ages, found livelihoods for them, guiding them towards productive lives. I suspect that Andrew was respected by the congregation members. I suspect so also. Mm-hmm. Certainly, he was respected by the modern, extraordinary folk within London. He provided space for the coven to meet, and Hamish is quick to comment that he well knows of Andrew Hubbard. After all, he works within the confines of old London town. That's true. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to Discovery of Witches Season 3 to see their modern creation of Andrew. So, yeah, you're speaking to my heart there, Twanda. Thank mm-hmm. you. Julie Buckner, Fernando. And we have to hum ABBA together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Lynn Reed. Hi, Lynn. Um, Miriam is a book I would love. Okay. So okay. she's talking about the book. Okay. Fernando seems popular and I like him. I never really liked Father Hubbard. <gasps> Lynn. <laughs> 
I always want to hear uh, excellent ditch driving, ditch and driving as well. One does love the naughty. Okay, so okay. Lynn, um, yeah, I don't think you're ever going to get rid of us in the ditch. So yeah, um, well, I'm sorry that you don't like Hubbard, even after all this time, but that's okay. Fernando seems popular. You like him? All right. I mean, Fernando seems very popular in this list, so yes. I don't know. We'll consider it. Like I said, we still don't know who we're going to do. We're going to have to come up within, yeah. with something within a month anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was it. That was our, our opinions. So I don't know. Did that help us decide? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> It'll be a surprise for all of us when, it's when you guys be a surprise get this for episode. All of us. But at least we all got to hear you guys' opinions yes. and what you thought. So we'll definitely take them into consideration. So with that, stick with us. After this break, we'll do last thoughts and things we cannot let go of. So hang in there. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact. And all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there. Fill out the form and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Demons Discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive, and we need her around, okay? Keep it All right, last thoughts. Let's do it. Anybody? Oh, my last thought is it's pretty simple. By the time you guys hear this, I hope to have a book recommendation posted up in the list, posted up in the Discusser Facebook group. Okay. Uh, which, is va- which is vampires and mixed creatures, in case y'all are looking for something to read. That's awesome. So that's my last thought, and I'm still working on it. Angela, how about you? It's probably more after show fodder, but I'll just quickly say it here, since I don't know if I'll be on an after show next. Um, next year is going to be a lot of change for me, and that's one thing I can't let go of right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. I have uh, my move coming up. Yeah. I have new career. I kept on getting the cards and I kept ignoring them about career transition. We did a thorough like review at work. It came out of nowhere, actually, but they want to make sure that everyone has career paths. And so I had to actually sit down with a mentor and figure out, and it was, it went more beyond like, what do you want to be in five years? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's actual like attainable measurable goals. So I'm actually going to start taking some in-house instructional design courses and then maybe next year get my certificate. (gasps) And you won't have to hire out those crazy people anymore. Yes. And that just means I've expanded my, not that I I don't want to go anywhere. I love my team. I love my company. I love everything. But you expanded your portfolio of skills. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I love that. It's so exciting. I love it when the company pays for your advancement. Yes, Yes, exactly. That's That's the bonus. I mean, it is just kind of like turned out that way because I thought... 
you know, I was really soul searching and looking in the mirror, like, what the hell do I want to do? Right. You know, because I've been very complacent and that's, mm-hmm. I'm not dissatisfied with that because I wanted to raise my children and be there for them. And, you know, I've had the best of all worlds and be to be able to do that. Right. Um, but the, as you know, they're growing older and mm-hmm. I have to look, be, even, even where we move next, I told Brad, I said, it sounds selfish, but we have to think of what we want out of a house, not what the yes. kids want or what's best for the kids because we're moving. You're staying. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And like, mm-hmm. we're already going to the school district that's going to best serve them, but we have to think about us. Because they're going to be mm-hmm. gone soon. Yeah. So endings, beginnings, change, lots of change next year. I'm going to have to grapple with it and see what happens. Yeah. But it's exciting. I like it. I'm excited for you considering, you know, like the big changes that both I know I've made the move where it's like, I don't give a shit about a school district. I don't yes. my kids have moved out. Now you're at that phase now. And it's like, wow, it's weird to see somebody else going through it. It's like, <laughs> I, <no. know. laughs> I just I want know. to move out of a rent house. and <sighs> I know. Well, and, I'll be, we'll be joining you on that front too. We're going to yeah. be in, you know, a, a rental. Yeah. For the, the near term. Yeah. Because the prices are terrible. Yes. Oh. See what the market does. Ooh, hopefully, it relaxes a little bit more because that's, that's well. They just... think it. They think it will because this is not sustainable. Even if Zillow is buying houses and driving up the prices. What the fuck is up with that shit? Anyway, yeah. more of the yeah. after show when yes. we get yeah. to it. Jesus. But my my last last thought, and okay. it's the other change I was thinking about is our new project is also yes. next year. I know. <laughs> Oh, so things happen in threes, and that's, those are my I threes. Yeah, I know. For you guys, our audience, I, we're expanding our range. We're expanding our range. We're not necessarily like, okay, I have a better picture of how this is going to happen is what we're going to do is season three of the TV show. We're going to finish out the book of life, and then we're going to just take a break from Demons Discuss for a little while and work on our new project over on another podcast. I know I know I can relay that confidently versus last week or was kind of or the last time we recorded it was kind of in a in limbo. It'll so yeah, yeah. We'll still be the, the lady demons and we'll still be talking and, and the title of the show will just be a little bit different. Yes, yeah. I think we have a title. It's going to be the lady demons present for now. For now, we don't. I'm pretty. I'd say I'm 95 percent there. The lady demons present and then whatever project we decide, the lady demons present this project and it'll be that for that Mm -hmm. period of time and anything else we do as far as like moving from one world to another we'll divide that in seasons like the first project we'll do will be in season one second one will be in season two not necessarily seasons like tv shows but seasons in order for you to separate and know what what you're looking for Mm -hmm. so demons discusses its own it's always, and it's always going to be all souls. And it's always going to be all souls. So, yeah. And I think I'm going to consolidate the website and be uh, Lady Demons and have links to Demons Discuss and have links to our new endeavor, which is going to be a new podcast. And it's basically going to be a network of podcasts is what we're doing. So and nothing huge, nothing. And for those of you who are committed to all souls, nothing will change for you. We're just going to be on an extended break until we're ready. We've breathed enough in another space or time mm-hmm. where we're ready to open up Times Convert and that will continue on the series for us. So there you go. Nothing's going to change for you. If you're steadfast I mean, you, you and staying in this universe. Yeah. Yeah. You'll put, you put into perspective though, Val. You're, you're like, we have X amount of chapters left of the book of life. We have seven episodes of the TV show and then mm-hmm. we'll be on hiatus until 
Yeah, which is like a year from now. Yeah, yeah. so we're more. still going to be around for quite a bit longer. Yeah. yeah, we still have this book to finish. We're only at chapter 20. There's 41 chapters in this book, guys. Yes. So you saw how long it took us to get from where we were before, which was last year. When did we start Book of Lice? Last year, the third quarter yes. of last year. And here we are, third quarter of this year, and we're only halfway through. So you have yeah. time with us, guys. Yes, we're not, not like, going it's anywhere. It's not like we're going to be gone next quarter. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not even we're close. Not. We're not. Um, I, we are slowly changing our broad-based name to the Lady Demons. Demons Domain and Demons Discuss remain Demons Domain, Demons Discuss, but they are fall under the umbrella of the Lady Demons. Because as we move, move forward, we're so used to our name, the Demons, that Lady Demons suited us. So there yeah. you go. Anyway, yeah. I didn't mean to hijack your... Uh, no, that's good. No, you complimented it perfectly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so reviews, guys, reviews. We love them. Keep them coming. Yes. And if you can't do one on uh, Apple Podcasts, do one on Podchaser or do one on Audible if you have an Audible account. We read all of those. We get all of those. Um, maybe even the odd ones, Spotify. I don't know. No, Spotify, Spotify does not. doesn't have reviews, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So that's weird. But anyway, uh, there's that. Um, if you want to continue to support us, don't forget our Patreon page. It is now called The Lady Demons. We are now called The Lady Demons on Patreon, but the same URL will get you there. Patreon.com slant Demons Discuss. I kept that, mm-hmm. you know, solid. So, you know, hey, we're demons. Nothing has to make sense. It's fine. I know. It's just <laughs> demonic. <laughs> And I think that's it. Thank you all for writing in. Yes, um, that was great. That was a great problem to have is too many emails where it's like, mm-hmm. wow, all these new people listening we and writing and, from everybody. and participating. And then there's our old standby standards. We wouldn't be here without our standby standards. So that's why I was like, oh, I hate mm-hmm. to push them aside this time. But, you know. Like our journeyman demon, Zoe. Hey, we love you. You know we love you. (laughs) You know, Chloe, Barbara, we love you guys. Thank you for standing by us all these years, all this time. And to our new guys, I hope you guys get to be old heads and hang out with us and even move on to our next project with us, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Shit. Um, Yeah, that's it. I think... I'm good. Anything else you guys want to bring up? No. 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 Okay. It's all after show stuff. (laughs) It is all after show stuff. Okay. So with that in mind, you guys, let's say goodbye. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye. Give me a kiss. We'll talk to you next time. Definitely next time. We're not going anywhere. Seriously. Okay. Bye. (laughs) 